sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you stop. like. What a stop! Just for Ben! Oh! Oh! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it, it's been, we're, be, we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance, flat. No. What, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he, say something. We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. Fire it up, fire it up. When we finally turn it over, make a beat. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever the hell it is in your time. Podcast land net tends to be a bit different than the usual protocol. You don't want to be too to. committal no. on the time. No. But it's the afternoon for us. Adrian Barry with you on the Friday Football Podcast this week alongside Nathan Murphy, as you've heard just there. And Richie McCormick, Richie McCormick, Richie McCormick. Well, Richie was great on the podcast last week. Oh, the podcast was really good last week. Richie, Richie likes to do impressions. Oh really? Yeah, he uh, he had a Kyle Norton impression, uh, which he repeated several times. Right. Now I'm not going to attempt it, but yeah. Kyle Norton is from the Caribbean, it seems, right. according to Richie. <laughs> right. Okay. I was hoping to interview Kyle Norton after uh, the Spurs match against Everton last Sunday, yeah. but unfortunately he was suspended, so I didn't get the opportunity to see what to get I'm the sure real he, Kyle Norton. I'm sure Richie, it would be that difficult to find Richie, out what Kyle well, Norton. Well, he did Norton then tweet me. Like. A interview with Kyle Norton and goes, ha ha. Yeah. And I was like, ha ha, what? <laughs> that sounds wrong. like, no, sounds nothing like what you were doing. Uh, the initial, my initial comment was an, impre- uh, an impression of you uh, this week. Richie McCormick, great, really great. Rio Richie on the po- yeah, podcast, Richie, super. Well, I think. he's more an agreeable really, really, type he, than he you. Kind of, he, felt, he took it onto a new level, I felt, Richie McCormick. I did, did. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where were you last week? I was uh, at this, uh, not at this particular moment in time exactly, but uh, roughly I was at the Olympic Stadium in uh, Berlin. Wow, yeah, it was mentioned that you were on your stag and myself oh, really? and Richie were just noticing that obviously we weren't invited. That yeah. We were left behind here to hold the <laughs> There was only so much room. You know, the restaurant bookings were tight. Oh, know, yeah, were saying, yeah. Flights you know, that weekend. Tw- the, 27 people was just about where they could, you know, yeah, about the limit yeah. of it. Oh, you're, you're, you're so popular down It wasn't in, quite in 27. Um, so you were at the Olympic Stadium where you had a match or were you yeah, just doing a, a tour? I went to Hertha Berlin, Bayern Munich. Hertha uh, Berlin, Bayern Munich. Last wow. Sunday afternoon. It was, it was brilliant to be at. Now, it was freezing cold and uh, there was 12 of us at the game. None of us all that prepared for the uh, minus temperatures, it has to be said. Whereas all the locals arrived, they've got their full, absolutely catered out head to toe. I'd imagine there's a lot of uh, long johns and etc. going on as well. They've got their Bayern Munich blankets, their Hertha Berlin blankets, uh, and their their proper hats. Pro- look, proper gear. Um, Did you have to invest? I, I didn't at that point. At that point, it was no, like, typically I not, not, <laughs> not put up with it. I could buy a hat for like. <laughs> No, no, I, had Euro, but I, did, I had a hat and I had gloves and I had a scarf. I was wearing about five layers, but unfortunately each layer was about a t-shirt. Uh, it would be the most depressing with. stag ever if you're packing and you're putting in the long johns. <laughs> it really would. We didn't like like you don't countenance for that when you're packing for a stag. You countenance for okay, I'm going to be in a pub that's going to be pretty hot. Yeah. So you know, like granted, I'm going to be walking between pubs, so I'll have to sort of pack a few layers. How much were the tickets? Did you buy them in advance or did yeah, you just pick bought, them up at the bought gaze? them on this, you know, this Viagogo website. Oh, yeah. uh, they were face value 45 quid. Okay. Um, good I tweeted a picture of them. I thought all German um, tickets are like 18 euros. Yeah, but, but but you know, like Bayern Munich are This is town. the Olympic Stadium, Bayern Munich are in town. The place was 76,000 capacity full. So good it's atmosphere. essentially the biggest game of their season. Um, a decent atmosphere, yeah. A couple of the lads ended up actually in the Bayern Munich section, which was which looked brilliant. We were sitting yeah. just across from it. We were at you know you know the Olympic Stadium. It's the one with the cut at one end, where famously that um, 
that shot of the camera used to sweep in at the World Cup that was I think that's how people will sort of uh, picture it in their minds so we uh, we were kind of sitting just to the left hand side of that as you look out onto the pitch and then some of my mates were on the right hand side where the hardcore Bayern Munich section were yeah. they ended up getting their hands on the flag you know to put the flag uh, back up the, the, the stand and various other bits and pieces as well so yeah it was pretty good Bayern Munich were Bayern Munich were 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 are this like un- they had a you know full team out pretty much yeah. unbelievable uh, start unbelievable starting eleven like unbelievable hurt the plane aren't really up to very much but it was in many ways a sort of carbon copy of the Manchester City game from the previous a uh, couple of days before that only that Hertha Berlin don't have Sergio Aguero. So uh, that was kind of, you know, they created several chances on the break. 80% possession at Bayern Munich had, which is pretty sensational. It's almost Manchester United last weekend, second yeah, half, 81% possession. But, uh, but, but... What was the final score? 1-0. Yeah, for all that, there were... <laughs> it was not the most amazing was it, atmosphere. Was it, was was it of, quite boring, Bayern Munich style of play? Uh like it probably was if you're going to watch it every week. The fact that that's the first ever Bundesliga yeah. game I've ever been to, and you're watching like this amazing team, and like Robin, Robin was Robin was pretty good, and like a lot of people were saying afterwards, God, oh, Rob, what a sensational player, and you know he did get the goal, and it was probably up there for man of the match. But like what, watching him, where you did get I to see, see the goal? Him, did he cut in from the right hand side? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah yeah. yeah, 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 and he was doing a lot of that. But a lot of things, a lot of times, and stuff you get to appreciate when you're actually sitting there looking at it, he's pretty wasteful. That what his runs go nowhere. He just pa- he tends to the ball away. The latter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much the latter. Uh, a little yeah. bit of the former as well. But I mean, you know, you kind of accept that because, That's like, the very nature of those is. runs are that you know at times he's going to lose the ball. But yeah, definitely a bit wasteful at times. But yeah, it was pretty good. Well, it's great to have you back, Adrian. Thanks very much. I'm a, I'm in a in Long John territory myself now because it's getting pretty cold at these matches that I'm commentating on oh yeah I f- because you don't move for that's about a harder two, balance to get you, right when you actually have to work at the you thing. don't move for about two and a half hours yeah. from when you take your seat and it's get, taking me longer and longer to get off my seat <laughs> at full time my knees are literally <laughs> oh, creaking so I do have a pair of long johns I think I bought them in Peru about four or five years ago uh-huh. so I brought them in my bag the last day but I was trying to find an, o- an appropriate location to actually put them on yeah because it is bloody freezing when you're sitting there for two and a half hours. I uh, I I I had something similar. I brought a brought a second pair of socks from having sat in the press box at many games previously and yeah. frozen my feet off. I brought a spare pair of socks in my bag and at halftime, I just abandoned all ideas of modesty and whipped off the shoes in one of the passageways and just threw the socks on. So maybe that's the way to go, Nathan. Just whip off the gear the pro- in the press yeah, box and see, just get into it. Layers is the key because yeah. you don't want to have your long johns on when you're stuck in a plane for an hour. You really don't. And your heavy socks. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then plus, yeah, plus you're too warm and then you're you're having sort of counterbalances that when you get yeah. outside. Yeah, it's a conundrum, Nathan. I'm sure a conundrum that most of our podcast listeners will be thinking we couldn't give a shit about. Yeah, but, well, uh, I'm going to be over in Swansea on Sunday week and it is bloody freezing in Swansea yeah. at the best of times. It's, it's pretty, kind of like Crow Park. It's, pretty it's po- always cold. Pretty poor down there anyway, but uh, the, the coldness isn't going to help. So anyway, look, that's you up to speed with uh, my stag party and Nathan's long johns. So we better get talking a bit about the football, I suppose. Yeah, it's an interesting nice. enough weekend as well. Um, I was looking at my trebles, which we'll get to a bit later on, and they, I found them tough enough to pick, actually. But I know Nathan has gone for kind of a long shot here just in the way in here just to give give you an idea of how prepared we are for all this kind of stuff that you know we do spend you know the best part of our week preparing for the uh, for the football podcast uh, Nathan wondered if I had a, a, a print out of a league table I could give him uh, which I, I don't have a spare one but I do have one all but, right. but yeah. uh, he's he, anyway Nathan very flippantly said it's fine it's fine. I, this ta- I'm, I know the table it's fine I don't really need it it's fine so on that basis Nathan <laughs> how well do you know the Premier League table right 
Um, I don't know. Let's start off with a pretty. Let's start off with a pretty straightforward question here. Bottom, and I want these in order now, um, ascending order from bottom up. The bottom oh, three teams. No, no, I'd have to go. The bottom from... three teams. No, no. Give me, I want the bottom. Come on. You were very, you were very flippant. About I could go outside. from top down. No, no. I want the bottom three teams in. You know, from bottom up. Leicester bottom. Uh, then Leicester, Queens Park Rangers. And then Burnley, then Hull. Yeah, you've um, you've actually gone one more than uh, than was expected there. All right. So if I had a little dinging noise as part of the crappy quiz, I'd be I'd be hitting that right now. Uh, um, tell then, us, tell us, no, then, no, 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 no. Let's break up this because that, right. that's just going to that's going to get too easy for you at some it's point. It's going to get too easy going through the entire tell Premier League from the bottom up. The team uh, who are eleventh in the Premier League. Eleventh. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to make, keep this very straightforward for you. I'm not going to start asking uh, you about you know, the points. The team who are eleventh, I'm going to go for Everton. Ooh, you're wrong. No, you're right. You're right. You're actually spot on. You're spot on. I'm good at this. Who are currently fifth in the Premier League table? Uh, so let me see. It is Chelsea, Man City, um, Arsenal. Ooh, uh-uh. Newcastle. West Ham, uh, yeah. Damn it! I knew we'd trip him up. I, I essentially just wanted to trip you up. That's the exercise finish. That's I think all, I did all right there. I think I did all right. Yeah, you did. You did pretty average. Where are Arsenal? Average. You got the bottom three. Arsenal are six. Yeah, uh, one point behind Newcastle. West Ham, seventh. Granted. Uh, nope. Oh, it's Newcastle. Yeah, lost a couple of games. I mean, you should have quit while, while you were behind. I won't lie to you. you should have yeah, quit. All right. Game. Yeah, let's leave it at that. Swansea are seventh, Liverpool are eighth, and Newcastle ninth. Anyway, Spurs football. Tenth. Newcastle. Speaking of which, uh, yeah, Spurs ninth uh, are at home against Chelsea. It's the early game on Saturday afternoon, and I guess the major question, Nathan, heading into this: Can Chelsea continue this? Uh, beating the start of the season without the player that's played every minute of the Premier League for them so far and has arguably um, anyway, has been the player of the season so far and Emmanuel Matic suspended uh, for pretty harsh at this stage of the season already he's picked up his uh, fifth booking against Spurs yeah you kind of take that into account when you have a player like Emmanuel Matic he's going to pick up a lot of bookings everyone else flies forward he's the one guy who stays back and when teams try and get you on the counter he's going to give away some of those cynical fouls mm. A lot of players. It was a pretty stupid foul, if I remember rightly. It was uh, Harry Kane, I think, a bit of a tug yeah. in Harry Kane. I think Matic, for me, is the most important player in the Premier League. He won't win player of the season. Fabregas or Costa or Aguero will win that. What, because but, they're more of a flair? They, yeah. they, the unseen stuff, Nathan? The, uh, yeah, the unseen stuff. Yeah. He is, you know, he's in that Claude McAlealy position. Mm. But he's twice the man Claude McAlealy was. He is, what was he, six foot four? Is he really He that is tall? a beast. Right. An absolute beast. And he has it all. Like, he can score from 30 yards. Yeah. He has a little bit of cre- creativity about him. He doesn't need to show it too often because you can just leave that sort of stuff to Fabregas. But what's... He's played every minute so far in the league. But what's been brilliant about Chelsea, I think it's seven players have started every single game. So, Courtois started every game. Ivanovic, Cahill, Terry. The only game Azpilicueta's missed is the one he's been suspended for. Matic and Fabregas have started every game. So has Hazard. Then you've got a little bit of rotation between... Oscar, William, Shurla, uh, who else comes in there? Salah might have started a game. Mm. So those two positions are up for grabs and Oscar starts most games. And then Diego Costa has been injured for a couple of games and suspended. Yeah, back after suspension. But aside from that, he started every game. So the level of consistency of team selection, and you talk about rotation, most of these guys have started all their Champions League games as well, including Matic and Terry and Cahill and Fabregas. Yeah. They're just not getting a break. And... 
I heard, uh, I think it was Pat Nevin talking about it during the week, that perhaps Chelsea might have rested players last weekend after the game against Sunderland and the draw against Sunderland, but that because Manchester City were away to Southampton, Mourinho might have looked at this run of three games, midweek game included, and thought, if I play everybody in these three games and we win the three of them and City slip up at all, this title race, we could be 10 points clear. It could be all but over. Yeah. Is there going to be a little bit of fatigue kicking in at some stage? Probably not, because all their games are over after an hour. So they just conserve energy. It's like that Barcelona side. You're winning 4 or 5 nil. You know, you're 3-0 up against Tottenham. Mm. Let them do the chasing. Yeah, the only thing about Chelsea is over the last while that they... And I kind of suggested a few weeks back, I think it was roundly uh, poo-pooed, maybe correctly so, but the idea that Chelsea were, were winning games and certainly not losing games, but not necessarily being all that convincing in terms of the scoreline. They don't tend to put teams away 3-4-0. and It's just not what they do. I mean, it's a, it's a very Mourinho-type template as well, the kind of two, like, really comfortable 2-1. Yeah, there was, I guess, an irony in Mourinho being the man coming out criticising his players for that. That the team of 05, the team of 10 years ago of Duff and Robin used to always go and win 3 or 4 nil and have killed the game off early. Mm. Whereas you say it's very much a Mourinho style not to kill the game off, to mm. leave it at 2 nil and to be happy with that mm. and to be confident in your defence of keeping a clean sheet but there's always a risk you put yourself in a little bit of trouble. This could well be Chelsea's off-form patch. Yet That's still, I, I completely believe that. I completely, yet like, they're for, still winning games. Fernando was talking about that a couple of weeks back. That the idea that you know uh, Manchester City, Manchester City have, Fernando, yeah. not some guy called yeah. Fernando who we know, some Abbott type character. Fernando outside was just saying that. Right, we should uh, point out at uh, this uh, juncture, Nathan, that we've just had to switch studios. Yeah, um, it's the second time we've been uh, bumped around. Very, it's, it's as if nobody at the station gives a flying shit about the Friday Football Podcast. What, like you know? Feel- yeah, well, considering that it's me and you this week, Dave McIntyre and bothers this hole for Maybe a month in a row. This Pierre is Gilroy, the essence, yeah. I don't even know if he works here. Is anymore. it more reflection of us than the podcast? I think it's the podcast. Yeah, maybe the podcast. Uh, first time turfed out for a. Meh, certainly, a recently senior member of the government. Oh, yeah. Not so much anymore. No. And then, uh, secondly, one of my all time absolute heroes of just life heroes. Just life heroes? Yeah. Pat and Kenny. I wouldn't normally be. Uh, I like Pat. But like, he sits right beside us. You can, you can just talk to him. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he'd talk to you. If you if you really wanted to talk to him, maybe the Christmas party, Pat will talk to you. We can't indulge in the names of these uh, various characters no. because, you know, these sometimes go to air and people are, you know, under the illusion that stars of the world screen have suddenly, <laughs> you know, appeared on stars Christmas morning or whatever it is. Stars of the world screen is that? can be quite funny from time to time. Um, yeah, I think we should probably park it there. But, uh, but yeah, that was pretty good. I met a Brilliant gag about the Gaza Strip, just as because yeah, uh, there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing guest like when they walk into yeah. studio for the first time. To have some guy making a joke <laughs> about the Gaza Strip. But normally you look up and it's you know some other politician or you know a twink or something's coming into twink. studio, and then suddenly it's ah, this guy. All right, so basically you're saying usually all our guests are shit on this station, but now we've got this one good guy who's coming up at some what stage. What are you saying about twi- a twink? Is nothing wrong with twink. Did she ever get that dog back? I think she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk no more about Twinks, dog. Right. Uh, I think the, I I think just now has been an all time low for the Friday Football Podcast. I really feel it has. It's just kind of hit me as a sense of like a wall of 
Um, the fact that we've been thrown out of studio twice or the fact we've just mentioned Twink? The latter, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We were chatting about uh, Fernando's comments that he feels that at some point Chelsea's low point is going to come in the season. They're going to get through a similar thing to Manchester City and the point that actually... I kind of feel they're, that's what they're just emerging from at the minute, that they've gotten through these games, not by any great margins, but they've just continued to win. Yeah, they beat a Tottenham side on Wednesday night. Tottenham played reasonably well for the first 20 minutes and still won 3-0 without Diego Costa. Mm. Manchester City, Sergio Aguero's in good form. They could go on a run. They have um, Everton tomorrow evening, but after that... They've got six really winnable, winnable games. Everton are playing at all well at the moment. If they, they need to win six of the next seven games to keep the pressure on Chelsea. They need yeah. to make it into a race. They need to make it tight to put Chelsea under a little bit of pressure. Yeah, because there doesn't seem to be a huge amount else coming from uh, from lower down, further down the... Uh, well, Manchester the United have, have won four in a row now. And when they spend this 100 million quid in uh, January, Nathan, this is... I do I do feel it's across a lot of the back pages today. No, it's not going to be January, it'll be summer. When... Summertime, right, okay. That'll tell you in how much depth I've read uh, those particular stories. But uh, the idea that you're telling everybody how much you're going to spend seems a tad counterproductive. Yeah. Oh, we're going to spend thirty million on Kevin Strootman. Yeah. yeah, that'll be forty million now. Yeah. Thank you very much. Strootman, Robin, Hummels, Godin, another player that uh, has been mentioned. Yeah, I, I think Louis Van Gaal, even with these four wins, he, he's managed to lower expectations massively. I still think United. I know they've had huge amount of injuries, mm. but with the players they've bought, should be aiming for higher than a Champions League place this season. They should be aiming for a title run this season. At least putting a little bit of pressure on Chelsea and Do Manchester Liverpool City. Land. Yeah, and then next season, if they do spend anything near 100 million, if they don't win the title, Van Gaal, Van Gaal has got to go. <laughs> I'm saying it right now. Van Gaal has got to go. Like, like I, your context is fantastic, Nathan. It's they've won four games in a row. Yeah. They've got you know they should be winning the league next Van season. Van Gaal must but go. But on the amount of money they spend, I angled Maria's injured at the moment, and he's had a few little niggles since he arrived. But they spent 60 million quid on this guy. Mm. He's done okay. It's going to take him a little bit of time to settle. But ah, for yeah. 60 million quid. Well, he's supposed to be the creative be force. The best that's, player that's in the league. That's why he's been brought in. He's going to be the goal maker. That's essentially the idea, isn't it? That's yeah. was the essence of buying yeah. Angel Di Maria. Um, United are at Southampton on Monday. Just to go off a slight uh, tangent here. I've been uh, really hoping this game would come up. Uh, injuries starting to take their co- toll on uh, Southampton as well. Cork, Tadic, Schneiderlin, um, Ward, Prowsall carrying knocks. And also, Nathan, Pella hasn't scored in his last five games. Go on. Over that time, he's had two shots on target. Graziano Pella is a donkey again. Well, what that the fact he's only had two shots on target lends me to believe that maybe the opportunities don't be making excuses for aren't being created for him the way they were. Yada yada Southampton have got themselves in a brilliant position that even if they lose to Manchester United, okay, they'll be out of the top four, but they'll still be right within touching distance, and maybe that'll be their bad spell. They'll need to react very quickly after that Manchester United Mm. game, but they're at home against Manchester United. They didn't play well against Manchester City. They, I think they sat back a little bit too much. There was no, no great pace to their game, as there wasn't against Aston Villa in the game they drew there. I, th- I thought they deserved something from Arsenal. It was a very late goal. They were down to 10 men uh, due to the fact Alder Weirald had gone off injured and they kind of panicked a little bit. Mm. They're not taking their chances. Jerry Rodriguez, if he comes back for the Christmas period, if they buy somebody in, in January... Remember, like if they finish fifth or sixth, it's an incredible achievement. Yeah, they just need to maintain it. Shane Long, inconsistent. Yeah, and that does lead us very nicely into our next. We've we've left Newcastle, Chelsea. By the way, I had planned to come back, but we've done enough. Okay. On it. Uh, there's more stuff 
that uh, will make for some interesting Brown, conversation uh, that we will uh, we will get to on off the ball uh, on Saturday afternoons. So we'll get to all that then. But uh, Liverpool Sunderland is going to be our next port call. It's at Anfield. It's one of the uh, many three o'clock games on Saturday afternoon. And Steve Nichol this week. I'm sure it hasn't escaped most people's attention if you're just a casual. Uh, follower football that uh, saying this week that and let's face it if you're listening to us you're definitely a casual supporter of the game uh, that Liverpool will be better off with Shane Long than Mario Balotelli uh, he's someone who will come onto the field and throw his guts into a game and give you everything he's got he might not have the ability or the CV of Balotelli but the fans would love him uh, was the quote from Steve Nichol this week kind of got me to thinking afterwards that I'm sure from you know Shane Long's agent point of view I'm sure that's that's brilliant but it's no praise at all, really, for Shane Long. It's uh, popularity by default here. Yeah, but also, you're not comparing like with like. You know when you sign Mario Balotelli, you're not getting a guy who's just going to run his socks off for 90 minutes. Mm. You're getting a guy who you would hope is just going to stand there and bring other people into the game. You know, Mario Balotelli's got a lot of bad press. He's probably facing a suspension, which is absolutely absurd. Yeah. Because I didn't see anything particularly wrong in his tweet. It was stupid. But... There was no malice in it at all. Oh, the world's just gone, gonna, too, it's gone too PC now. If you're going <laughs> to suspend Mario Balotelli every time he does something stupid. Yeah. Uh, that would seem to be the case, by the way. Shane Long. If Shane Long was at Liverpool, remember what happened to Robbie Keane at Liverpool for not scoring goals? He wasn't given the opportunities he should have been given by Benitez. Mm. But if Shane Long, what's he scored? Two league goals so far? Well, uh, right. Let's let's give you Shane Long in numbers. Right. Had a look at this over the last little while. Um, since moving moving from Reading in 2011 to West Brom at that point, eight goals in 25 games in season one at West Brom. Eight goals in 25 games. One in okay. three. Yeah. Now that's not bad. That's okay. I mean, for it's a, not amazing for, for a team who didn't set the world. Well, they did yeah. well that first yeah. season. It's okay. Not amazing, but okay. Eleven goals in 37 games in season two at West Brom. That's not great. One in th- that's pretty much one in three as well. It's a little bit. It's a little bit less than one in the three. The percentage is going it's, down. It's not great. It's. The I mean, it's almost. Downwards. It's almost ten and forty. Eleven and thirty-seven. <laughs> it's it's al- honest, like, or, So it's, it's almost, almost one in four. Is what I'm point. It's almost. Tw- in that case, you could just say it's almost twelve and thirty-six. No, it's almost. Which is just no. eight of one, which makes yeah. it one in three. It's almost one in four. Is my point, which stands. And then last season, between thirty-two games with West Brom and then Hull City, seven, seven goals in thirty-two games. Again, it's okay. It's not great. And 3-16 and 16 so far this season is where he's at. Yeah, well, a lot of them have been off the bench. The trend is downward. He's not a great goal scorer, and that's what I'm saying. If Shane Long goes to Liverpool and works his ass off, Ricky Lambert works his ass off, people are still criticising him, still questioning whether he's good enough. Mm. If you're a striker and you sound for Liverpool, sign for Liverpool, you're going to be judged on scoring goals. Isn't it almost more a sign of, like Steve Nichol saying this, is almost more a sign of how far Liverpool have fallen rather than, you know... Uh, anything to do with the rights and wrongs of signing Mario Balotelli if they're looking at a player like if the expectancy level is that we'll buy a player who can run his guts out and that's all we, that's you know, the fans would love him yeah. that kind of seems as if their sort of expectations are not quite where they should be Liverpool have a problem about the calibre of player that they can actually sign and they've received a lot of criticism about spending 100 million during the summer but they got over 80 million in return for Luis Suarez and they spent 20 million of that on strikers 16 million on Balotelli and 4 million on Ricky Lambert they bought a lot of players for 20 million they bought Lallana they bought Lovren they bought Markovic but Liverpool are going to struggle to get players who are worth more than that to actually sign for them Mm. so even if they can spend 40 million on a player there's not too many 40 million pound players who are actually going to sign for Liverpool who wants to live in Liverpool? 
Liverpool's a good town. It is a, it's a good town to go visit for the weekend. If you're a multi-millionaire and you more than likely ah, yeah, have other options. Yeah, okay. But I don't think, I, look, I don't think that's going to swing it one way or another. They go and live in these fancy suburbs, out, you know, nice big plush country house and they don't really spend a huge amount of time in uh, Liverpool. Like, I, don't, I don't know if that's a factor. I mean, I think the philosophical thing of where Liverpool are headed is a factor. So, like, you know, the top names looking at Liverpool and granted, you know, they might by, you know, some miracle have the capacity to give, spend a lot of money and wages on them. They might have some capacity Yeah, well, the money and wages a is a them. big issue. But, like, is a player going to be tempted to go to Liverpool in terms of what they might win? Because realistically, you know, particularly this season, they're not really going to win a lot. No, but from where they were last summer, I guess people, you, thought that they might push on. I did. I did think they you might push think on. You did think they might yeah. push on, and it, it didn't happen. Did I think they might push on before Suarez left? I think was well, the maybe, maybe not. Point, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I guess if they ha- if the money was there, if you're spending forty million on a player, you're going to have to pay him one hundred and eighty grand a week, more than likely, and Liverpool even with the increase in attendances, are never going to spend that. Mm. There's not the population there to sustain the corporate boxes that Manchester United have. Haven't they? Haven't, didn't they, some announcement Anfield this week have. that they've, yeah. uh, you know... They're increasing the stadium to 54,000 and nearly all the new seats are corporate seats. But there's... You compare Liverpool as a city to Manchester and London, it's, it's nothing when it comes to... Mm. The corporate side of it, which is where you make your money, being able to sell the tickets for. Yeah, I presume they'd still be able to do that. I mean, you know, it's more than just people who live in the city. It's more than just city industry. It's Liverpool is this club with this amazing tradition, and there's a lot of wealthy people out there who would like to contribute to the future development of Liverpool. I would think there are, but not enough. Mm. Arsenal have a sixty thousand seater stadium, and. I don't know how many of these seats are corporate seats, but any time you go, and friends of mine who live in London, the only time they go to Arsenal is when it's corporate tickets because it's the only way of getting them. And you get them maybe twice a season, but every big company in the world is in London. All of them, the ticket to have is Arsenal at the Emirates. You have a lot of friends who go to uh, the old prawn sandwich brigade. That doesn't well, surprise me. I, have to, no. <laughs> I suspect that's uh, quite consistent with uh, the perceptions we have enjoy, of Nathan got to enjoy Murphy. life. <laughs> I just don't is think it good, there good is... experience, corporate, corporate audit, have you partaken? I've actually never been in a yeah. corporate box at... I've been at the Aviva, but... Mm. Yeah. Again, that's kind of surprising. Well, so have you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we were there together, in fact. Yeah. So that, uh... It was a two-for-one shopping. Um, it, was, it was Gibraltar. Yeah. They that's, literally that's the sort of quality. That's the sort of quality we, we get thrown away. So, look, the, the other question ahead uh, of Liverpool-Sunderland is if Rodgers is going to uh, pull a Real Madrid reversi here. So that, uh, that he's going to rest a bunch of his best players ahead of the game with Basel next week. Like, I mean, you know, it's a game that Liverpool clearly need to win. The good thing about it is that they know they need to win. And so maybe that's not the worst place they could be. But the idea that perhaps he rests a bunch of players again this week with a view to actually putting his strongest team out in the Champions League as opposed to the other way around. Good luck with that. You reckon? I've got Manchester United away next weekend, so... One one stat that makes me suspect they may be tempted to do that would be that of their last 15 league trips to uh, Anfield, Sunderland have won... One. None. What about Darren Bent? I need to go back and check my stats. <laughs> oh, was that, no, they, was that no. at the Stadium of Light? Yeah, no, I think, yeah. The beach ball goal? Oh, actually, maybe no, that was not yeah, No, that wasn't, that wasn't Anfield. Um, yeah. Perhaps he will, but who who do you bring in? They do have options, say at fullbacks, they can change Johnson and play Manquillo at right back. Moreno's dropped out of sight, play him at left back, mm. maybe bring Lovren in for Skirtle or for Toure if they are now the first choice partnership. Rest Gerard. Yes, or just drop him again. Mm. Well, he's bet. the new, he's the king king again. Nathan. Yeah, he is. Well, he got that goal on Wednesday night. Like Liverpool have won two matches in a row. They need, they're just trying to find points. 
There's no great sign of them finding any form. They're just stumbling over the line in these fixtures. The game, Basel is a huge game as well. Sunderland at home, you would expect them to win. It might be another poor performance, but they'll nick a goal. They might win it 1-0. The game that will decide where Liverpool are right now, I think, is Manchester United away on Sunday week. A game you will hear live and off the ball. Nice one, Nathan. Beautiful. Always. Beautiful. And a good good uh, way to leave that game as well. Some of the other three o'clock action uh, that we'll skip through before getting to some of the meteor games. Uh, Hull against West Brom. Uh, West Brom, four defeats on the bounce here without uh, uh, and uh, losing those games uh, without a great deal of fight. We've reached December, by the way, without any managers getting sacked so far. I would uh, suggest that Alan Irvine might be kind of nearing that direction. Yeah, Saito Berahino gets called up for England. Hasn't scored since. Yeah. What are you saying? Saying... It's uh, it's like Adam Lallana last year, like referees saying, you've changed. Yeah, he's changed. QPR and Burnley at uh, Turf Moor. It's the vertical uh, six-pointer here. Both of them starting the weekend in the bottom three. And Burnley in decent enough form, actually, over the last little while. A couple of wins and a couple of draws from the last four games, which made a stark contrast to that time early on in the season where they really couldn't buy a win. Yeah, Danny Ings has found his form, scoring a couple of goals, a few assists in there as well. Last Saturday, we also had a veritable six-pointer uh, between Queen's Park Rangers and Leicester. It was a cracker. Queen's Park Rangers won 3-2. They've lost all their away games, QPR, but their three wins have all come at Loftus Road. They are a lot better at home. This could easily be another 3-2. Um, Burnley, I think, are a bit better defensively than Leicester. Charlie Austin, though, is scoring a lot of goals. Was he seven league goals so far for Queen's Park Rangers? I think at home, QPR should win this. Uh, Tottenham, Crystal Palace... Pretty shit look I felt for, for Spurs to have beaten Everton during the week and then to be the next game where the, you know ideally sort of building up a bit of momentum was the one team that have tended to consistently thumb them over the last little while. Uh, Chelsea obviously not alone in that particular no. bracket but um, I was at White Hart Lane last Sunday yeah. and I've seen I think ha- I've been at half a Tottenham's league game so far this season. It was It was a very good Premier League game Tottenham against Everton. It was exciting. There was tackles flying in there was goals in the first half there was no great quality to either of these teams they both looked to have gone backwards from last season and Spurs showed a bit of character as they've done they've in the league or up to the Chelsea game so that's what three of the last five they've come from 1-0 down to win 2-1 so they've shown a little bit of character but there is no quality or class in that Spurs side there is no outstanding player defensively like Lloris made a mistake against Chelsea on on Wednesday night I just I think I don't think Spurs will finish in the top six this season yeah, I don't think that would be a great surprise I think uh, strengthening at some point in the summer if they eventually get a bit of cash to give uh, Pochettino might be the but way they need for them. like strengthening and people are talking about a clear out like they would need you could look at that entire team and think you could improve it pretty yeah. much all 11 players yeah. unless Soldado yeah. now he didn't start against Chelsea after scoring against Everton last week you know, his first league goal since March. Seems Unless like he goes pa- on Pacino's, a run. Uh, <laughs> the way that he operates is, if you score a goal, I'm going to drop you. Yeah. Because he did that with Harry Kane for quite a while as well. Yeah, Harry Kane is playing well and he's obviously got a bit of confidence behind him. Pat Nevin was talking on Monday night and he's no great fan. Doesn't think he has that extra... Kane. Kane. Right. That his control isn't good enough, that he works hard, but he's not real top-level striker. But Tottenham at the moment don't have anything really mm. at the top level. Also, like, that's... Look, look, Pat Nevin knows infinitely more about uh, the game than that's I do. True. But uh, I would say that Harry Kane has never really been given any consistent run in the uh, team to be able to prove what he's. And it takes like it takes all that time to be able to get your touch in at that at that level of football to get your touch and to find your form. Like, I, uh, let's judge him when he gets 
six, seven games under his belt. He's still, what age is he? He's, like 20, he's only 21. 21. He's still only 21, yeah, okay. and he has, what, 11 goals in all competitions this season. And he's playing in a team that are struggling yeah. for form, that are struggling for a system. Pat Nevin is wrong. He might actually, Pochettino last week, have they had so many injuries. Like they'd, Last week, they'd Adebayor, Capu, uh, Kabul, Rose, Chadley, all missing from their starting 11. They had all played pretty much every game. They're all missing through injury. Mm. So I think he kind of stumbled upon a better system last week. They're playing a 4-4-2, whereas they were playing a 4-2-3-1. They weren't creating any chances up front. Dembele and Mason in midfield, two young guys, a lot of running there, a lot of energy about them, which with Kapu was there, they just didn't have. So maybe he stumbled upon a formula that will see them do enough and at home, I think, against Palace. Get the job done. Uh, Stoke against Arsenal is, I think, the last of those three o'clock games. It's the uh, Shawcross Ramsey derby because, invariably, whatever preview of this game you read, uh, year in, year out. Well, I'd forgotten about some that. Some sort of a reference <laughs> to, uh, well, there you go. Some sort of reference to uh, 2010 where the latter had his uh, leg broken at the hands of the former. Uh, and maybe, in some ways, it's had a bit of an impact on this fixture because Arsenal have won just once in their last seven uh, visits to Stoke, although that does date back to 2008. Uh, Stoke winning four, drawing two and just losing that one game at home to the Gunners. So You think they're scared there, of them? Well, is there a possibility? You know, like Stoke have definitely changed their outlook on football a little bit under Mark Hughes. They tend to knock it around a little bit more, whereas previously, maybe under Tony Pulis, it was a tendency to well, leave the boot in was maybe their main game plan in some respects. Quite a successful game plan, it has to be said, obviously. But uh, perhaps that must be in the back of your mind in some ways that, you know, well, you it's don't want to get injured here. And, al- yeah. and also, Mark Hughes is going to, know that as well and be saying to his players alright we want to play a bit more football but these lads are frightened these lads don't want to be coming here they're afraid you're going to kick them so do it kick them do kick them kick mm. them as hard as you can alright don't go breaking somebody's leg but this is a team who are fragile we know they're fragile who have a lot of injuries as it is there's going to be a lot of young guys involved one way or another go out and kick them there's no, there's no problem with that do it as legally as you can mm. Arsene Wenger this morning saying that if we have everybody fit if we have our first choice 11 on the pitch we're as good as Chelsea and we're as good as Manchester City. Right. Okay. Now, now, right. There are, okay. I, I think that's, he may be stretching a little bit to go that far. But, I mean, if you look back over the last while, he's talking about his defence uh, coming right this week and he's taken the United loss. Uh, if we take the United loss, um, as an example, there was no Koscielny, no Debussy, Monreal and Gibbs as well have been uh, out for a lot of games. And Wenger pointing to the concession of the equaliser against City, actually, uh, was the quote from him as a moment that put doubts in their minds, which I have to say that was kind of a surprise for me. I have to say they, um, you know, the idea that they're missing players maybe is one thing, but it's not very reassuring, I think, for fans to be listening to him talking about that because, you know, like whatever defensive systems and beliefs Wenger has put into this team, to be like the idea that they're undermined by one goal like that this was mm. the sort of thing that unhinged them a little bit and one goal that was a corner I think it was a corner where there was some pretty slack marking against one of the most attack minded teams in Europe like it to me I don't know I don't know why Wenger would look at it it almost seems that he's underlining the idea that they're that they have a fragility by admitting that this one goal against Manchester City has almost unhinged them a little bit yeah and that match against Manchester City there was an an inevitability Arsenal played very well but there was still oh yeah I mean after the equaliser City could have gone out and got a couple more that City were going to score and for him to come out and say oh it was just at that moment that maybe we started to have a little bit of self-doubt Arsenal always have had self-doubt for years at this stage they never look assured of themselves when they hold a 1-0 lead 
I was at the Swansea game a couple of weeks ago. They're winning 1-0. They let Swansea back into it so easily. Yes, they're missing players, but Wenger doesn't respond either. That game, uh, Callum Chambers, was being destroyed by Montero down the, le- down the Swansea left. Mm. Never changed it for the entire match. Montero sets up uh, Emnes for the, for the winner. Everybody in the stadium can see exactly what's happening. Why can't Wenger? And I know they've injuries. Wiltshire's out now for a while again, but maybe it's the type of characters they're buying. Or is it something within the club? Because you look yeah. at you look at that defence. Like Per Mertesacker is a World Cup winning defender. He comes across as a real strong character, but he doesn't seem to be able to lead that Arsenal yeah. defence. It's I, I I would think I would suggest that the idea that it's been this thing that's been so consistent with them that it's not necessarily the players that they're buying. It's yeah. the structures they have in place at the club that doesn't necessarily promote the idea of you know. I mean, even somebody like well, I suppose we kind of come back to Jack Wilshere a lot on this kind of stuff and he still only is a very young player with a lot of experience under his belt at this minute obviously but the idea that he might actually come forward and be this leader for Arsenal and he's kind of made noises in that kind of direction over the last little while but no great signs from, it, uh, from the, an on-pitch point of view. The leader of that Arsenal side is Alexis Sanchez. He is as close a player I know people talk about uh, Sergio Aguero and comparing him to Alexis Sanchez or comparing him to Luis Suarez mm. It's Sanchez is closer to Suarez because he harries and he defends from the top. And when you're playing with him, I'd imagine as a midfielder, you feel, well, if he's doing it, I better do it as well. Mm. You just wonder how long he can keep the interest levels up. Yeah. When, especially when Ozil is playing and he comes back and Sanchez. When is thinking, he back? He must be back around Christmas time, is that right? Is that the, yeah. was sort of like, was it could be early New Year when yeah. he's back. Uh, from his Sanchez is, injury. Yeah, Sanchez is a wonderful player, though. Like, <laughs> yeah. Class. He was well worth the money. But this time last season, maybe we thought Ozil was well worth the money and he just faded and he lost some yeah, interest. Yeah, it's, it's no, a good point. Now, he hasn't point, been yeah. as good as Sanchez has. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, but it is a good point as well about Ozil that it's been the best part of a year now where he went off the boil and everybody said, I'll oh, give him time, you know. It was, you know, he had this uh, uh, spike or whatever when he came into the game and he's gone off the boil a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when he comes back. They've also, by the way, stumbled upon a decent keeper at last because there have been a lot of questions about uh, Chesney over the last uh, while. Emilio Martinez, Three games and three clean sheets, and is talking a pretty good game as well. He's just a 22 year old. Uh, it was his debut uh, coming on for Chesney in that game against United, where uh, Chesney got injured after about an hour thereabouts. Third choice keeper there uh, behind Chesney and Aspina. So it's three clean sheets in three games, and before that, Chesney had three in 11. Yeah. So, like, what does he do? What's it? It's a bit like the Andy Carroll thing at West Ham. What does Wenger do here when Chesney's fit again? Does he say, "All right, you're my man. I got to put you back in there," or does he say, "You know what? Actually, this guy's been all right and he's been decent. He's made a lot of lot of good saves, and uh, publicly has made a lot of good utterances about the Arsenal defence." I think Chesney is their number one keeper. He makes the odd mistake, but when you're a goalkeeper, they're quite noticeable, especially when you're playing for Arsenal. But Kept 16 clean sheets last season. I think he was arguably Arsenal's best player last season. You know, we can't judge. Maybe if Chesney played in those three games, Arsenal would have kept three clean sheets anyways. Uh, if my, what is it if my auntie had ball, she'd be my no, Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Chesney's I think Chesney's a really good goalkeeper. I, I don't understand a lot of the criticism he receives. He's got a defence in front of him that doesn't breed a huge amount of confidence. Somewhat similar to Simon Mignolet. In some Mignolet's ways that can actually make the keeper look better though. I mean, if you look at like a lot of Shea Given's career, for example, he was playing in a Newcastle team that weren't the most amazing team in the world, but Shea Given looked brilliant because he would, of course he would concede as many goals yeah. as everybody else, but there were so many shots coming at him at various points. He looked like he'd make a lot of saves. He would. I also thought Shea Given was 
vastly overrated. Oh, and it's, it's, I think uh, it's, it's such a casual way he throws it out there as well. <laughs> the, like the latest character assassination with Vincent Company a couple of weeks ago, and now it's Shea Given. Cuts right to the core of the Irish psyche. I think it's easy to play for Newcastle. Nobody pays a huge amount of attention to you. If you make a mistake, it's quickly shown a match of the day. People move on with their lives. Yeah. Unless you make a mistake against Sunderland. He really made a lot of mistakes, though. And I mean, he was like, the, like you're, okay, I understand They're the point you're making. They're not as magnified. The me- like as the media, don't necess- we don't necessarily see, uh, we hadn't necessarily seen a lot of, actually, sorry, at that time, we probably would have seen a lot of Newcastle. They were doing okay in the league at that time. And also, by the way, like the fans would, are obviously watching him week in, week out. And he's a bit of a cult hero there. Yeah, perhaps. Why did he never get the move that everyone always said he was Because he was too small. This was the, you know. Yeah. Too yeah. small that Shay Given was what Ferguson apparently uh, had to say about him at one point when the suggestion when he was in the height of his powers. I, d- I never thought he was commanding enough in his area. Remember, you're talking that Newcastle always had a terrible defence. Hmm. Maybe they needed a goalkeeper behind them, and maybe I'm just completely contradicting myself with regards to Chesney now. <laughs> <laughs> maybe who they was, needed who was instilling them with confidence and making a lot of very good public utterances. Um, Emilio Martinez, step right up. Yeah, you're a big fan of Martinez, yeah? Oh, no, look, look, again, that point, I've, and I haven't been here for the last while, so I haven't necessarily seen a huge amount of them either, but... Uh, the stats back up oh, what look you're at, saying. Look, at, look, like a lot of these things are about the idea that somebody comes in and there's a perception that he's a certain thing, and so he can become that thing. And like, as you say, there definitely are question marks and have been question marks um, about Chesney. But anyway, look, maybe they're not going to get overly tested by Stoke. Perhaps uh, the stats that I mentioned a bit earlier might suggest that they, that they will. Yeah, don't, Stoke are a strange team this season. They're, they're fine. Yeah. They're tenth. They're twelfth. That's that's kind of that's 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 dog territory, isn't it? That's kinda, it is. It is. But it's a danger, between It's always kind of a dangerous position for a manager, unless they go on a bit of a cup run or something like that. Mm. Like expectations are raised under Tony Pulis. Fans become, ex- you know, they think, well, twelfth is the minimum. Why are Southampton doing well? Why are Swansea? Do- Why can't we do that? Well, because they've got far superior players. That's you know, particularly in Southampton's case. Now, granted, they had to like, like, like. Obviously, the Southampton case was that they had to go and buy a bunch of players, and so maybe points to a better policy, like transfer yeah, policy yeah. or better Completely. management, or whatever. Oh, I understand that. I'm just thinking from a home supporters' point of view, paying in to the Britannia every week. Mm. You're looking at similar size clubs and thinking. Well, we're not. We have nothing to be excited about. Mm. We don't. We don't. We play fine football. We get the odd result here and there. But where are we going? I think that's. I look. I, um, for my and money, I think suddenly uh, questions that shouldn't be asked of Mark Hughes start being asked of Mark mm. Hughes. Yeah, maybe harshly so. Stoke against Arsenal, one of the other uh, three o'clock games. The late game on Saturday. We're going to whittle through through these very quickly. Nathan, uh, Manchester City against Everton. It's City's third game in seven days. And it seems everyone is uh, looking to that win over Barn uh, as a season turning point for Manchester City. Everybody that is inside Manchester City because they're all <laughs> suggesting that, oh, well, you know, we can beat Bayern Munich 3 2. And we can be very impressive about it. I think they might have had three shots and goal, three, uh, and resulted in three goals. And also, as I said at the outset of the podcast, this Bayern Munich team are infinitely get outable despite all their stars. I, I think they are grasping at straws if. Um, Pellegrini's team are looking at you know they've since beaten Southampton and Sunderland the idea that we beat Bayern Munich and that's kicked us on to be this this is going to reignite our title challenge I'm not 100% sure I buy that uh, yeah I'm not 100% sure I buy it either but I think they went to Southampton a team who were flying and won 3-0 and dominated the game they now have the best striker in the league if they can keep him fit the one and going back to Aguero Suarez comparison 
the one difference between City and Liverpool this season is that when Suarez was there, I think he brought everybody to another level. Mm. He brought Sterling to another level. Henderson. They all played better. Coutinho. Whereas Manchester City still seem to be a one-man team. It's not as if everybody around Aguero is suddenly upping their game. Jovetic is starting to... I think actually he might be injured for tomorrow uh, for tomorrow evening's game. Jovetic. He's the one specifically, by the way, who made that point about Bayern Munich being the, uh, the turning point of the season. Yeah, I, I, w- I think we would all like to see Manchester City go on a run. Just somebody. Somebody to put and a bit of, yeah. keep a bit of pressure. They still look like a team who could easily drop points at any stage. As I said, after Everton, they have a run of games that you would expect. They could win them all. Mm. But well, knowing Roma, Manchester Roma City... Roma midweek after that as well. And again, same point about Liverpool. It's a pretty crucial match for them. Yeah. Also, these half five kickoffs. You're not a fan? Strange things happen in them. They can often be a bit dead. Hmm. Like that, they're the sort of game where teams do drop points where they shouldn't. It's the they've been hanging around all day for it. It's not quite the half seven game where they've been able to have their nap in the afternoon. It's as if it just doesn't work with the players' body clocks. They always there's a very sh- I, I I should really go back through the statistics and see this, is there, this is the question are there more chances of upsets in the half five yeah. kickoff than any other game? Everton last week at White Hart Lane. It's my first time covering them this season. I was shocked by how bad they were. Have they deteriorated, deteriorated over the last little while? It feels to me as if uh, perhaps they're, they they're struggling for form. Uh, Lukaku showed nothing. Mm. Barkley had a few nice touches. But for a guy who's been touted with a move to Manchester United or City or someone like this for 30 million quid, didn't offer a whole lot. Seamus Coleman seems to get frustrated very quickly. Spurs put Ericsson on him and got Ericsson to track back. There wasn't a huge amount of space. His deliveries weren't good. Garth Barry was off the pace. It's... Now, Naismith was missing, who gives them a lot of energy in the middle. But again, they looked like a team who'd finished sixth or seventh. Certainly not a team who've improved in any way. Yeah, who might maybe season. not have the most amazing belief in their manager by all accounts. It's uh, Yeah, well. Know, the outside looking in, it seems all is rosy in the garden, but perhaps results this season have suggested otherwise. Yeah, there have been stories that perhaps senior players aren't fully convinced by Roberto Martinez. Senior players are going to be... Senior, Osman, senior players. How many more are there? Maybe not everybody in there is convinced by Roberto Martinez as the media are because I think we've all been taken in by Roberto Martinez and believe that he's a very, a very modern manager who has a lot of very good ideas about how they want to play the game and he has certainly brought along Seamus Coleman's career. He's doing the same with James McCarthy. But perhaps, well, the results are showing that they're not progressing. They put everything, all their money, essentially, into Romelu Lukaku. Now, he does have, what, six goals in his last 11 league games. So, But he just doesn't seem, unless he scores, he doesn't seem to it's offer... Not that involved, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he wasn't much, involved yeah. at all, which... Maybe they just need to figure out a way. Maybe it was just one Maybe it was just one game where they looked that poor, but the results say it, it, it hasn't been. Yeah, so that's City against Everton, the late game on Saturday. We'll be chatting to Ray Houghton and Graham Taylor, by the way, in that kind of time direction this Saturday afternoon, uh, Saturday evening, to get their thoughts on the day's Premier League. And as well, to look ahead to Sundays, we'll do this very briefly, Nathan Cause. There are two shit games, neither of which we are doing it off the ball this weekend. Uh, with Tom against... Uh, <laughs> we can say they're shit because we're not doing them. Um, Aston Villa against Leicester, live on <laughs> off the ball. Oh, no, we're not doing it, we're not doing it. Crap. West Ham against Swansea at Upton Park is the first. It's at half past one Swansea beating QPR 2-0 to go seventh uh, and they're just three points back from the top four never quite feels as if they're going to finish that far up but uh, that is that is alas where they sit right now yeah, you've, well, you've been getting... impressed by them yeah they, they they get results 
they went through a spe- you know they started the season with three wins they went through a really bad spell until uh, the Arsenal game came around I think they had they beaten Leicester they drew at Everton then that win against Arsenal they're not they're just winning games it's such a tight league in the middle mm. like they're, they're not that far out of the relegation zone that if they were to lose three or four games in a row they wouldn't be right back in it but they have that little bit of quality in Sigerson and Boney that a lot of the teams just don't have mm. Villa against Leicester is a late game four o'clock life without Roy going decently enough for Villa so far uh, I don't know if we can if that's uh, stretching no, a you're linking it. one, nil, on, one win at Palace on Tuesday night but uh, apparently I was reading as well the most interesting thing about this game Nigel Pearson was taunted by a fan after that uh, last Liverpool during the week and apparently offered to step outside for a little year old John L. Sullivan uh, style fisticuffs I was surprised by the quotes because when I heard about this story I presumed it was I told him to piss off or something yeah. like that. No, no, he went um, for these come guys. Outside. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a dangerous game for Villa, you would think. At home to Leicester, Leicester bottom of the league, have done nothing since that uh, win over Manchester United. It's the sort of game Villa should win, mm. which when you're in a position that there aren't many of those, and for you're Villa. not scoring a lot of goals, yeah. that if you were to lose, is it something of a derby? I think it's something of a derby. Yeah, geographically. Ge- well, yeah, just geographically, yeah. Where's Leicester in relation to Birmingham? Near. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I do tend to go with you on that one uh, without having a you know a strict knowledge of precisely where Leicester is. Anyhow, uh, that's the late game on Sunday evening. My travels, uh, travel for this week, uh, Nathan, is Chelsea to beat Newcastle, Liverpool to win at home to Sunderland and City to beat Everton. So for my €5, Euro, I'm going to win back €18, Euro, about uh, two and a half to one or thereabouts if my maths serves me. Oh, God. Two and a half to one. Listen, on the basis that I haven't got, I haven't yet got one treble, low odds is where it's at for me. What have you got? I'm also going for Liverpool to win at home to Sunderland. I'm going for Hull to beat West Brom at the KC Stadium. And I'm going for Tottenham to beat Crystal Palace. For my €5, Euro, you get €38 Euro back. Yeah, I do think you won't be getting anything back. Why? I just think they, I think Spurs are absolutely. Uh, I have two of the last three. Daft two teams my, two putting the money last on. Three trebles have come in, Adrian. Two out of three ain't you're, bad. You're backing on on Spurs on Hull. That is really the essence of the essence of the point. That's kind of it uh, for this week. I know I'm no Richie McCormack, Nathan, but you I've know. enjoyed the last uh, little while of conversation. It's been great. It's been fun. You were, it was well. It's the highlight of your week, part of it. Meeting the great man. Yeah, the great man. Making and, that. Really and and the movie star. And the movie star. <laughs> hey, hey. See you next week. Good luck. Oh, hey.